The following audio is from Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. For more information about our church, please visit lifebaptistchurch.com. Before I open my uh, illustration, I need to say I love my father. I love my father. I had the best dad in the world. He took me fishing, hiking, hunting. We went to ball games. He showed up at all of my games, the countless ones that they were. He taught me about Christ. I could not have asked for a better father. And for those of you who are questioning right now, is it Father's Day? Did I miss something? No, it is not Father's Day. You did not miss anything. I just wanted to say that before I say this about my father. My father has no shame. He had no shame as I grew up in his house. Actual words from my father's mouth. I don't care if it's 25 years old and mold is growing in it. You can sleep in it. I'm not wearing pink. It's salmon. So what if it was in a dumpster once? I cleaned it up. You can wear it. Anyone have a dad like that? Ah, maybe a better question is, is any dad like that in this room today? Because I know we got some dads like that in this room. Well, about a year or so before we moved out to Las Vegas, this no-shame father of mine convinced my wife that he knew where some buried treasure was. At the time, Maylene, and my, my, Maylene, my wife, and I were living in Southern California, not too far from where my dad grew up in Arcadia. My parents were down visiting us, and we decided to take a drive out to his old home and where his childhood school was. As we were driving out there, he started telling us this story of the man who lived in his old house before he did. My father was convinced that he was a miser who had buried his wealth in his backyard instead of putting it in the bank. My dad was so convinced and so convincing that my wife, Maylene, bought into the story, too. The next thing I knew, I was sitting in my car in front of this stranger's house, and my wife and father were knocking on the door. After some time of my wife and father standing at the door talking to these complete strangers, I see them go in the house. I can't believe it. To my surprise, these strangers believed my dad and they started digging up the backyard with my father and my wife. I am mortified at this point, beyond embarrassed, but after several hours of digging, they discovered a chest and two large containers filled with old coins, cash, jewelry, and other valuables totaling over $127,000. Are you kidding me? That's not how the story went. That's never how the story goes. <laughs> Time was wasted. I was embarrassed. No one was happy at the end of that one. People were furious and embarrassed. Not my father. I wonder, I wonder if this is true of many of our lives of seeking after worldly treasure, that we will be embarrassed for it, we will strive for it, we will go to great lengths for it, and at the end of it, just like the time before, we come up empty. It's pointless. It's not meaningful. You see, I think, I think we... We search after worldly treasure as if it's going to give us hope 
and that it's going to bring life and that's going to bring fulfillment and satisfaction eternally. But it never does and it never will. This is where we find ourselves in the text today. We find Jesus telling his listeners of a treasure that is worth everything. Something that is so valuable, it is worth giving everything for it. Will you pray with me before we get started? Jesus, I am so grateful. I am so grateful that I can say in front of these people and in front of the world that you are worth everything. God, I pray that you teach us more about you and more about our relationship with you. God, will you teach us what holds us back from knowing you more and saying yes to whatever you have for our lives. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Matthew 13 is a chapter filled with several different parables. Parables about the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of the kingdom and how it is received, the enemy of the kingdom, the spread of the kingdom, those who will and will not enter the final kingdom, and the great value of the kingdom. The last part is what I want to focus on today, the value of the kingdom. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Here we have two parables describing the same thing, the value of the kingdom of heaven and the true eternal treasure that it is. Read with me, Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again. And from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. He sold all that he had and bought it. According to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is worth everything. Both one-sentence parables clearly lay out that when the person found the treasure and the pearl, it was worth everything they had to attain it. From Jesus' words, the kingdom is more valuable than anything we have, could have, or could want. It is the most prized possession of all, so valuable that it is worth selling everything else to gain it. John MacArthur says it this way, these two parables have identical meanings. Both picture salvation as something hidden from most, but is so valuable that people who have it revealed to them are willing to give up all they have to possess it. So my question to you is, have you found that God's kingdom, his salvation, his rule and reign in your life is of the highest value, worth everything you have? Or is it just something that has some value in your life? Before we continue, let me assure you that this is not a sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and live a humble life that is not what this text is talking about. It would not be fair to the text. What this text is saying is those who have found the salvation of the kingdom, the treasure of the kingdom, it is worth everything. The salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ, they find it so valuable that it is worth more than anything else in this world. Today, I do not have a big truth or points for you to fill in your blanks, but rather I have a big question and follow-up questions for you to ask yourself in regards to God's kingdom and his salvation. 
questions God has been asking myself and my wife for quite some time. The first big question is this. Is God's kingdom worth everything to you? Is God's kingdom worth everything to you? Is the free gift of salvation that, come, that comes through Jesus Christ and him alone worth everything you have? I think on the surface, that is an easy question. Yes. I think for many of us, our natural response is yes, or maybe what we want to answer is yes. But have you ever weighed out what saying yes to whatever God has, what that really means? Have you ever thought through what saying yes to God's kingdom and whatever he has for your life, your wife's life, your family's life, whatever that means, have you weighed that out? It was about five years ago or so that Maylene and I were confronted with this question. Is Christ everything and are we we willing to say yes to whatever God has for our life? We were coming down from Cold Creek from a friend's cabin just past Lee Canyon. And it was like a moment from God. Our kids were asleep. It was silent in the car. And we were able to have a conversation, a hard conversation, but one of the best conversations we've ever had. The conversation was, is Christ worth everything to us? And are we willing, are we willing to give up anything and everything for his kingdom and his glory. As we started that car ride, as we went down the mountain, as we came into Las Vegas, the conversation was honest between the two of us with our concerns, our fears, our worries, our I'm not quite sure we can say yes right now. And the truth is, is in that conversation, in that car ride, we actually came to that answer. I don't think we can say yes to this right now. But as we continued to drive, as we continued to talk, as our conversation continued to happen, we came to the conclusion that we wanted to say yes. We wanted to say yes, that Christ is worth everything to us. And we are willing to give up anything and everything to have more of him and his plans for our life. So God has been gracious that he hasn't condemned us. He hasn't said, okay, well, you need to learn this right now. No, graciously over the last several years, and, and even looking back in the years prior to that, he was asking different questions. He was asking different questions, mainly of what we were holding on to that was holding us back from saying yes to his kingdom and seeing what he has and his salvation to be the best thing worth everything of our life. And so these questions that God asked me, I want to ask them to you and allow you to wrestle through some of them. The first question is this, is my kingdom worth your possessions? Is it worth your possessions? Is the treasure that Christ was talking about in Matthew worth your earthly possessions? Is God's kingdom worth our possessions? Is it worth saying, God, what we have is yours. Do what what you want with it. Our house, our car, our money, we surrender it to you to do what you want with it. Is God's kingdom and his glory worth handing over what the world says is ours 
Is it worth handing over to him to say, it's yours? Do as you please. After wrestling with this for quite some time, and if we're honest, we still wrestle with it. There's still times where we want to hold on to our possessions, but it's gotten easier to let go and let go because we have found scriptures like Matthew 16, 26 to be so true. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? As well as other verses like Matthew 6, 19 through 21 that say, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal or where your treasure is. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you catch that last line? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will follow after what you treasure and if, and if your treasure is wrapped up in worldly possessions, worldly gain, your heart will follow after the kingdoms of this world, not the kingdom of heaven. I heard this story once of a little girl who bought a fake plastic pearl necklace. She loved it. She wore it everywhere she went. It was her prized possession. Nothing made her happier. Well, her loving father noticed, and he told his wife, I want to buy her a real pearl necklace and give it to her. So he went to the finest jewelry shop he could find and purchased a very expensive pearl necklace. That evening, he came home with the pearl necklace in a beautiful box built just for that necklace and hid it behind his back. As he came into the living room, the little girl was playing on the ground, her fake plastic pearl necklace around her neck. The dad gently said, sweetie, can you come here? I have something to ask you. The little girl came over and the dad simply asked, can I have your pearl necklace? Her face instantly went from joy to sadness and all the reasons why he couldn't have it came spilling out. He quietly listened to all the reasons. After she finished, he just asked again, can I have your necklace? This went on for a little while longer, and the little girl never gave her father the fake plastic pearl necklace. I wonder how many of us hold on to our worthless, prized possessions, keeping them back from God because they are ours. And our God is simply wanting to give us eternal, priceless possessions, treasures in heaven that will never fade, never rust, never disappoint. God has been gracious to us to have been, been able to witness firsthand how great it is to see God use our temporal stuff when given to him, used for his kingdom, that he turns it into eternal, priceless possessions. There's nothing better than seeing God take a temporal thing and use it for his kingdom and his glory. In my hands, temporal earthly possessions will rust and fade and fail. But in his hands, the hands of the God of the universe, temporal earthly possessions are used for eternal priceless treasures. This leads us to the second question that God has been asking me and my wife. The second question is this, is it worth your possessions? Is the treasure that the kingdom of heaven is Sorry, positions, I apologize. 
Is it worth your positions? The question that God has been asking me, Amelian, is the treasure that you have found in me worth the position you have in this life? Is God's kingdom, his glory, his salvation worth your position? Whatever it may be, is it worth giving up for his kingdom and his glory? I believe with my whole heart that many of you are in the exact position or job that God has for you. However, the question is, what are you doing in and with that position? Is it being used for your gain and your glory, or is the position that God has allowed you to have in this life used for his kingdom and his glory? I once sat in a seminar with one of the best of the best pilots our country has to offer. At the seminar, he said with confidence and humility, I am the best at what I do, but I'm the best at what I do for the glory of God and so that the young men and women who are some of the best will listen to me who is the best. And when God gives me the opportunity, I use the influence to speak truth and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who because of pride would probably not listen to anyone else speaking that truth into their life. I know for a fact that our church is filled with some of the best of the best. I know God has given many of his followers the positions in this life where you are at the top. But what are you using that influence for? Is it for your kingdom for your glory, for your gain? Or is it for his glory and his kingdom? But here's the truth too. There's some of us, there's some of us that God knows and is saying on a constant basis, I have something different for you. I have a new position for you. And for some of us, it actually might be a step down in the world's eyes. But God is asking Will you will, are you willing to follow? Are you willing to give up your position in this life for my kingdom and my glory because the treasure that I have given you is worth everything? All I'll say is this. If you're confident in is God asking, follow. If you are confident that it is God asking, follow. I'm not sure there is a much greater joy than seeing God work in and through our lives when we are obedient to him. This leads me to our third question. The third question that God has been asking me and my wife, I would say maybe a little bit more me than my wife, is is it worth your pleasures? Is it worth your pleasures? I love good food. I love my comfortable bed. I love to sleep. Is God's kingdom, is the treasure that I have found in Christ, in Christ alone, worth the treasure, worth the sacrifice of my pleasures? Something that I have started to learn and, can, and constantly see is what I think our pleasures really are not. They are not because they are temporal pleasures. It is the difference between happiness and true joy. Happiness gratifies where joy satisfies. Happiness gratifies for a moment where, 
where joy satisfies. Almost all the pleasures of this world will bring happiness for a moment. They will gratify your earthly desire and wants, but they will never satisfy and bring eternal joy. It is only godly pleasures that bring eternal joy and satisfaction. Ultimately, because all godly pleasures should bring us back into worship of the one who made them and gave them God himself. It is only God himself and what he says is good that brings lasting joy and lasting pleasure. You know what I've found? I've found vacations don't satisfy. I have found vacations do not satisfy. They are fun. They can be awesome. And in fact, I think they can be an amazing gift from God, but they do not satisfy. And don't think I haven't been on good vacations because I'm going to live on a pastor's salary. I know how to, 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 to make a good vacation out of little. I love vacations. Don't hear me saying vacations are bad, but they don't satisfy. They never will. I have found more long-term satisfaction, long-term joy on mission trips than I have ever found on vacations. I have found more satisfaction in sharing the gospel and serving others when done for God's kingdom than I ever have in vacation. When God's glory and the gospel bring, being shared is the goal in serving others and sh- on mission, no matter where it is, there is an eternal satisfaction, eternal mark that is left on our life because it is God who is giving that pleasure. Can short-term missions be completely unsatisfying? Absolutely. If your motives and goals are misplaced and selfish, then yes. But when your motives, goals, and pleasures are handed over to God for his purpose in his kingdom, I have seen it over and over and over again that God changes hearts and brings joy in the giving up of worldly pleasures and comforts. When our pleasures are handed over to the one who ultimately gives eternal pleasure, we are satisfied. Because only true eternal satisfaction can come from a God who is eternally satisfying. Have you found God to be eternally satisfying? Have you found that treasure that only comes in and through Jesus Christ? And is it worth everything, as Jesus told us in Matthew? So as part of my challenge, part of my challenge to you is this. God, where would you have me serve? Where would you have me go on mission? Where would you have me give up some pleasures that I enjoy to serve others for your kingdom and the gospel? I, again, I have found that saving for a mission trip is so much more life-impacting and eternally satisfying than saving up for a vacation. This leads me to my fourth and final question. Is this treasure that you have found, is it worth your plans? Is it worth your plans? Is God's kingdom, God's glory, God's salvation worth your plans? I've never planned to be a pastor. I never planned to be up here teaching God's word. In fact, my father is a pastor. And again, as much as I love him, I never desired to follow in his footsteps. Every single plan of mine was leading me towards being a firefighter. 
in high school, my junior and senior year, I was in a program that gave me school credit to train and to learn with firefighters at a local fire station. I would go to class for a few classes and then I would go to the fire station for several hours where we would run hose, where we would sit and we would learn from, from those that had been doing it for year in and year out in books and hands-on training. My plan, my goal was to be a firefighter. My senior year, I had things lined up to continue that plan, to continue that goal. And about halfway through, I felt God's call to the ministry. And I would not change it for the world. I would not change it for the world. I am so glad, so glad that I said yes. I'm not saying that surrendering your plans to God means you will end up as a pastor or a missionary. I know that's our biggest fear, right? What I'm saying is that plans surrendered to God who knows and holds the future is one of the greatest things you could do. Sometimes the scariest, but still the greatest. God's plans are never dull and they are always exciting because they are for his kingdom and for his glory. Here's the thing about surrendering your plans to God. It's not a one-time surrender. It's a continual surrendering to what God has for your life. I don't know about you, but what I, but what I want is I want to retire well someday. That word well can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. As God has been asking me this question, am I worth everything to you? Is the treasure that you have found in me worth everything to you? He has shifted the definition of well dramatically to me and Maylene of what re retiring well means. For many Americans and people around the world, to retire well means to save up enough money by the age of 65 or 70 and live a comfortable life for the remaining years of your life doing what you want, when you want, without any restriction of a job. I'm not sure that is what well means in the kingdom of heaven. Years ago, God started shifting my perspective of retirement through a ministry called Live 58. It was not the ministry itself, but rather a retired Marine and LAPD detective story that started changing my perspective. He had chosen to give up the comfort of his retirement in California to use the gifts and skills that God had given him to track down and rescue children sold into slavery in Calcutta, India. His plan was to retire well and live out his days in Southern California and die off into the sunset. Yet he surrendered his plans to God and is now being used by God in his retirement to not only save children and people physically, but being used by God to see children and their families eternally saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to retire well to you someday? When your plans are surrendered to God, I have seen time and time again how he takes them and not only changes us in the process, but changes others around us for his kingdom and his glory. Here's the truth. None of these things will we say yes to unless we know the God who is asking the one who is asking the questions. We will not say yes to any of these questions unless we know the God who is asking. Why would we? 
Why would we say yes to giving up our comforts, our plans, our pleasures, our positions, if we don't know the treasure that we have found in Christ and who he is and the God that is asking? I have found this to be true. The more I say yes to knowing God, the easier it is to say yes to whatever he is asking. The more I get to know God, the easier it is to say yes to whatever he is asking. John Piper said this, he, being Jesus, is more valuable than anything. You will find that to be true either sooner or later. My hope is that it is sooner rather than later. Have you found Jesus Christ Have you found the treasure of the kingdom to be worth everything? Or are the things of this world more valuable to you than he is? I think Charles Spurgeon, as he so often does, says it best about Matthew 13, 44 through 46. He said this, It would be a good bargain for anyone to part with all he has in exchange for the kingdom of heaven. Yet, that great treasure is to be had for nothing by everyone who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. The amazing truth of the salvation of the kingdom, the treasure of the kingdom, is that it is free. It does not cost us anything, but it is worth everything. It does not cost us anything, but it is worth everything. Have you found the kingdom of heaven? Have you found the treasure that is Jesus Christ to be worth all that you have? Let's pray. Jesus, what a treasure you are. What a gift your salvation is. And what an amazing God that he would give it to us at no cost to us. God, may we never think that we need to earn our salvation or earn access to your kingdom. But God, because you have made the way, but because you have given us a free gift, may our lives be lived for that treasure. May our lives be surrendered to you because of what we have found. God, may we know you more so that we can say yes to whatever you are asking. Thank you for being a good God. We love you so much. In your name, amen.